What's up guys, welcome back to Rebranding Safety. Rebranding Safety is exactly what it says on the tin. We're here to challenge the perception. We're here to challenge those health and safety gone mad practices. And here to improve the world and improve your business. And we do that through amazing conversations on this podcast. Sometimes me just thinking out loud and ranting. Um, we do it through simple instructional videos on YouTube. So if you listen on podcast, don't forget to go check out YouTube. If you're listening on YouTube, don't forget to go check out the podcast. If you're new here, consider hit subscribe and the bell so you never miss another episode. In this podcast, we've got a very special guest. It's very special for two reasons. One, because we were supposed to have this guest on a long time ago when we had Jason Ancron. They were meant to do a bit of a double act, which would have been good. But actually, in hindsight, I think how we've come to do it now is much better. One, because I get two podcasts and you get two podcasts, uh, but also because we get to hear this person's story separately from the other. So I'm talking about Abby Taylor and it's a story that we don't really get to hear very often. We always hear from people like Jason and the rest of the speakers at Proud to be Safe where they've gone through horrific accidents and and their story is so powerful but I think more powerful is actually how much that affects their children, their wives, uh, you know, everybody else, you know, the collateral damage, so to speak, that it causes. And essentially, that's what Abby gives us an insight into here, is that, that kind of effect on her and actually how it's transformed her life to now become the managing director of Proud to be Safe. Um, she's a speaker herself, primarily for Get a Grip campaign and for Proud to be Safe. Um, she's a big player on LinkedIn uh, and all the speakers at Proud to be Safe are absolutely phenomenal. So make sure you check the links in the description um, if you're thinking about getting some uh, motivational speakers, etc. in your workplace to talk about the potential incidents and accidents you can go through. And Abby will kind of take us through that at the end of the podcast where you can have a chat with Abby uh, and she can be able to help you work out what speaker is right for you. Um, so without further ado, let's get into the podcast. Health and safety is almost a victim of its own success. We're in a pressured regime of health and safety regulation. A huge fire engulfs a tower block in London. Children being forced to wear goggles to play conkers at school. Worst oil field disaster, 164 dead. Rebranding safety, the modern health and safety podcast, crushing the stereotype. Brought to you by Riss Fluent and your host, James McPherson. Abby, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Jim. I've lost count how many attempts we've had at recording this. This has genuinely been the hardest podcast to record so far. I'm at, I'll send you like a plaque or something, the hardest <laughs> guest. <laughs> okay, let's get into it then. Um, so a while ago, you were actually intending to come on with your dad and we were kind of do like a, a three-way podcast, but unfortunately it never came around. But I think that might be a bit of a blessing in in, in disguise there we go um so yeah a while ago i watched your um your video from the get a grip campaign and um you speak really frankly about um that kind of impact on yourself and the family from obviously from your from your dad's incident i think it's something that we all we all take for granted um yeah. we do stuff and we don't really think about the impact on ourselves let alone the impact on our family so why don't you kind of for everyone that doesn't know just kind of give us an insight into your story and and then kind of let, let's go down that rabbit hole and see where the conversation takes us yeah so 
I mean, people always ask me how, how I was when Dad had his accident, but because I was so young, I can't actually remember anything about the accident. And Dad's always been in a wheelchair, mm. to me, as far as I can remember. And it wasn't something we actually spoke about growing up. So it wasn't really... I didn't actually know Dad had been in an accident until I was much older. Okay. And then it wasn't until he started speaking that I actually heard the extent of um, and seeing Dad getting better and better and things like that. Um, but, yeah, for me, now when we look back and when we did the first Proud to be Safe film, um, it's just the things that you miss out. Just little things like parents' evenings and um, sports days, anything like that that a normal parent does, that's just something we missed out on dad doing. It was always my grandparents or my auntie. Um, and getting into it a little bit more, I just, dad always kept saying, you need to come on site with me, and I didn't really want to do it. I just got emotional, even now when I, I go on site and speak about it, I do actually end up crying. I don't, I, don't, I don't know why, but I, I do. Um, and it wasn't until I did actually go along to a couple of sessions, and I did one earlier this year. And at the end, um, an engineer came up to me and he said, you've just knocked the engineer out of me. He said, I've got a young child at home, and he said, that has just completely floored me. And since that, it's given me more of a boost of actually, even though it does, it's hard to do, and I find it hard to talk it it's it's that it's them people that it, it's making a difference to so it, it does it is really um yeah it's worth sharing my story really definitely definitely what well, what is it kind of like then the first time that you this, this question is not on the ones i sent you this is a little bit off hoof so uh feel free to tell me to bugger off what what was it like that first time you you had that the first speech of, of your dad and telling his whole story then that must have been Oh, hard. absolutely heartbreaking, yeah. yeah. I sh to be fair, I think through tears, I, I missed quite a lot of it. So, so every time he he'll add something new, I'm a bit like, oh my God, I haven't heard that before. So it's, it always resonates something different, whether he talks about my young daughter, just little things that I, I haven't heard him, when he talks about seeing his chair next to his bed and things like that. For me, I always think, oh, he's dealing with it fine and it doesn't still affect him. Yeah, then when I hear him say it, I think oh, it, it is still a, a present thing that's never sort of going to go away. Mm. And that hits home all the time. I think it resonates with everyone in the sessions as well. Yeah. I love that thing you said about the engineer kind of saying, you knock the engineer out of him. I think, I think that's something yeah. that a lot of safety professionals struggle to do when they're trying to influence people. It's, um, it, I think I find we go to work and we have like two different people, don't we? We have work. So I'd have work James and home James, for example, and, and it's two completely different mindsets and it's just trying to connect the two and be a bit mindful. Definitely, yeah, 100% agree. Yeah, he said when he thinks back to what he's done over the years, he, he shouldn't actually be here, which is really surprising. But Well, not surprising, actually. But, no. yeah, it's just, it's just getting that link that it's just all the time. It's not just something, oh, when I'm at work, I'm going to, wear my PPM be safe it's it's all the time driving to work driving home from work it's just being mindful of your actions not for yourself but like you said for everyone that loves you really they're the ones that have to deal with it as well yeah so how how did you find kind of getting thrusted into a career in safety I'm, I'm going to imagine that you didn't 
aim as a young child to have a career in health and safety and public no. speaking? To be fair, I didn't really know what I wanted to do from school. So I went in between jobs for a bit and then I worked for the, a, a bank, which I, I loved that job. But as dad was getting um, busier and busier, he said, can you start helping me with some admin? And which I like, yeah, so I did that part time. Then that just got bigger and bigger and ended up having to um, the bank. And then it just snowballed, really. It's just got yeah. busier and busier. I love it. I love my job. I love helping dad as the main thing, but just getting all the messages and seeing the difference that we make with all the different speakers and stuff we've got now as well. It's just, it, yeah, I love it. It's very rewarding. Yeah. How many have you got now? Have you, uh, you had quite a lot last time I looked, but have you added any more? How many speakers have you got now? Oh, I should know that, shouldn't I? <laughs> I caught you off guard there. Yeah. Uh, that, so got, You've got a lot. Um, yes, quite a few. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're all, they're all, that's what keeps me so motivated because they're, they're all so different. Um, and their stories all have such an impact when they're there. So they all have a key message. But fundamentally, they all have the same values as Proud to be Safe. So we don't just take on anybody. It's the um, the speakers that understand that they have to sort of take ownership to what happened mm. a little bit and not on anyone else. Because everyone had that five second not to do something they did something wrong they shouldn't have done, if you know what I mean, or had the opportunity to pick up and didn't. Um, so we always try and say that there's a key message all, all the way through it. So that five seconds sort of resonates with all our speakers, um, which is which is really good. But I mean, someone will email me and say, can I book Jason Anker? And then when I get chatting to them, I think my dad isn't quite relevant and it will be Matt Sugar or, or Tom Crawford or Lisa Ramos or someone like that. So, yeah, it's it's really good. It's it's more um, diverse when I have more speakers, so it's, it's mm. easier. <laughs> that must be quite an interesting thing to do, actually, just to kind of select a speaker that's more suited to them. That in itself must be an interesting process. Yeah, yeah definitely, yeah, because before, I literally, it was just, yeah, that can come along, but where, especially if they have... Because some people come along and say, I want to book Jason most of the time, That if it's a brand new inquiry, unless they just say, can I book a speaker? Um, and then when I sort of have an initial conversation with them, I say, what's your issues? Is it working at high? Is it, if they say something like, um, oh no, we need, to, we need to aim for the directors because it's them that's putting their lads to work, then straight away I'd say, Matt, Matt you need Matt Hazelton because... He's the one that can speak from the how it affects you as a director. Um, when you have an accident, likewise, if it's in a workshop and they're having, um, I'll say Lisa Ramos is your is your lady, or um, yeah. So it it's they all they all have uh, an amazing story. So sometimes it's hard. Most of the time, they can all fit fit the criteria for a talk. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. Some just really suit a particular job if they have an, an actual theme. We just had a general safety session, then any of our speakers would would fit the bill and have an impact. So yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. That must be quite an interesting thing to do actually. 
Um, I, I quite like the name. Like, I really like the name, kind of like the proud to be safe. And that's kind of like a, a tagline as well in its own right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I assume it was chosen before you came along, I assume, in, into the business. Was it always called that? No. When he first started, it was Jason Anchor Live. Oh, um, okay. But then he just, as he was developing his talk, the being proud to see, because he used to talk a lot about his football team um, mm. and how you are proud of your football team. And no matter who you're sat next to, if you sat next to your rival, you, you'd still say who your team was because you're proud of them. Okay. And he was trying to get, so it, he was trying to get the point across that you need to be proud of like safety. So that, that's sort of how, where it come from. And then it just grew and grew and grew with, um, what it meant really but yeah we just we want people to get to a place where they choose to be safe rather yeah. than being told to be so for themselves and for everyone at home but just be selfish yeah <laughs> don't, don't care that you might get told off or picked on or whatever it may be you think is going to happen just say no I'm not doing it <laughs> yeah I think that's such a good a powerful message to be honest like I always um I do a lot of training um, in my in my kind of role and, and going out and doing training. It's really difficult sometimes when you're when you're training for big businesses and and it's so big, multinational maybe, and and the people on the shop floor sometimes feel so disconnected from decisions made at the top. And 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 I always say, well, and and that, I think they they feel a bit helpless. You know, sometimes they're having to do stuff or they see stuff that they think is not safe and and they're worried about themselves or customers or colleagues or whatever. Um, and I always use the example of um, Barack Obama. So uh, not a lot of people know um, that Barack Obama, um, obviously he, he legalized gay marriage in America. Amazing, yeah. thing, absolutely phenomenal piece of work. But if you look at his earlier stuff, he was actually against it. Um, and when, yeah. when he changed was when the polls changed. So when the public opinion changed, he changed. And I always use that as an example in health and safety and businesses and anything, really, that the power is not to sound cliche, but the power is with the people. Like yeah. if, you, if you demand a better standard of safety and you refuse yeah. to cut corners, the business will start asking questions as to why, yeah. uh, why they're doing that. And you, if you're not getting the standard that you want, then, then demand better. I think yeah. there is a massive power in, in the workers and the people and the customers, etc. Totally agree. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's really fun. I didn't even when I saw because we all just think I don't know about you, but I lo- I love Barack Obama and yeah. I was just he's just like up here in my estimation <laughs> could never do anything wrong. And then when I found that out, I was like wow. And it but it really just kind of runs it home that do you know what we all feel so helpless all the time, but actually you know if we want change, it's slow. Change yeah. is slow. It doesn't happen overnight. But if we want it. We can we can demand it and it will come. Definitely. And I think that works in quite nicely with that kind of proud to be safe way of looking at it. You know, if you're proud to be safe and you want to be safe because you realise the impact it might be on, you know, your daughter or your your, your son or whatever or your wife even anyone. Um, yeah. Then eventually it will demand more. It's such a shame, really. Yeah. That we, we struggle to get there for we feel so helpless sometimes. Okay, let's crack on then. So. Um, I think you nearly touched on it then when we were talking then, but when I was talking to your dad, I found it really interesting that he um, talks about having conversations with your speakers about when they're telling their story and just kind of um, really saying it's not about them, which I found fascinating <laughs> in a way. Um, and I thought, you know, when oh, I want you to uh, say like Matt or Sean, you know, I want you to come along and tell your story, 
but just remember it's not about you. Uh, and, and I thought, well, that must be a really interesting uh, transition. And I think they know that, you know, people don't come in all arrogant, I assume, but yeah. you, you would be a bit like, okay, well, this is what happened to me. I and think, this is yeah, what... Especially for the dad, when he first started, he was still quite angry about it, I think, but he didn't understand what the importance of it. And it yeah. wasn't until I think he a few that he realised, oh, actually, it's it's not about me. It's it's obviously trying to stop this from happening to somebody else. So and all the speakers get that. But I think he, my dad is quite. He, he does make me laugh when he's talking to someone and they, and they all say, oh, and my wife, and he thinks, oh, and I say, don't smile. But he he just sees it as a another part of the story that people can relate to. Um, yeah. So when people they think, oh my god, like in my dad's instance, my mum left, walked out with me and my brother as young children. So I think everyone sat watching were like, oh my God, I've got a wife or a girlfriend at home with a young daughter. And and even if they haven't got children themselves, they've got nieces and nephews, little cousins, brothers and sisters. There's always someone at home that wants you to go home. Um, even if <laughs> like there's somebody you need to go to, that sort of thing. Um, and it, it's just, yeah, it's finding that resonation with, for me, I talk about how it's affected me and, and so does my dad and my brother. But everything that's happened to us, which is still going on 27 years later, now it's affecting Elle, my my daughter, and dad as a granddad. So everything I missed out on, she's now missing out on as well. So it's just, it goes full circle and it, it doesn't ever end. And I don't think people understand that, but that's what we try and get out there. So. Yeah. I, it is such a fascinating story, isn't it? And it's hard to, it just, it's just hard to kind of talk about it to a point, from my point of view, to kind of ask, ask questions around it. And you just kind of want to sit and, and just listen to it. Like we had, um, I don't, you must know, Louise Taggart, we had yes. uh, her on and she's got a, an unbelievably heart-wrenching so, story. And, yeah. um, and it was really hard to just kind of interview her as well and talk about it. But it's so interesting to see this really similar transition that Louise has gone through, that your kind of your dad went through as well. And in in yeah. losing the anger and understanding that that eventually this story can be used for positive work, but it's how you communicate. So she was talking about um, an example that I used was. Uh, my my best friend's a, a builder. He's a bit of a pain in the ass, if I'm honest. Um, but he's probably not the safest person. And, I, and I'm dripping away at him. I've known him for years now. And all the years I've been doing safety, just kind of drip feeding him stuff. And eventually, you know, over the years, he's yeah. getting better. He is getting better. But all the safety people that he's ever dealt with are all very aggressive. They come over and be like, you need to do this, blah, blah, blah. Well, now, if you understand my friend Adam, he switches off. And then any, yeah. any human would. And we talked about it in a podcast when I was talking about Greta Thunberg as well. She's very aggressive in her speeches. People stop listening to you because you pissed them off. Uh, yeah. And Louise was saying she's going through that exact same transition. She was walking around site and get really angry when she saw somebody um, working on live circuits or something because it killed her brother. And, and I just thought how, how difficult a transition that must have been. Yeah. Did, do you find you went through something similar? Were you quite angry or because it was maybe because you know like you said your dad's always been in a wheelchair it wasn't so sudden it was more yeah, yeah. to me that's just been the norm but definitely I've seen such a difference in my dad from how he was when we were kids to when he started speaking and the anger's definitely 
gone. Mm. Um, so much so. He's so much happier now. Um, it's like therapy, I think. <laughs> yeah, just I get that. To all the time, just getting different feelings out and stuff. Yeah, but it's a bit different for me. Um, I got asked a question last week, actually, at a ball, like how, how did I feel when it happened? But I said, well, I don't, I don't really know. I can remember missing my dad quite a lot and spending a lot of time with my auntie, but not really. I, I didn't know. You don't as a child, though, do you? And I think no. your family protects you from it as well a little bit. So, yeah. I was quite shielded from it all, I think. Yeah. And I, and I think that's what fascinates me as well about, about this kind of story with yourself and and um, and your dad and your dad's friend as well. Is it Sean, your dad's best Sean. mate, that speaks yeah. as well? You know, I'm going to approach Sean, actually. I think it'd be great to talk to him as well. Um, but yes. it's just fascinating. Yeah. He was talking about, it was the second time he's been out on his own. He yeah, was out so. on the safety group on Monday. Yeah, it went really well, so... Yeah, he's awesome. doing great. Yeah. So has he always been just like a, a double act with your dad then? Is that how he's always done it? Always. He, he just initially, because dad was so busy driving, obviously he's busy talking, but then he was doing all the driving and he, he was just getting exhausted. Um, And obviously being friends, they just, Sean was a driver before for a different company, so they just took him on. So he was just his driver and just helped him set up and stuff. Oh, okay. And then as they were getting on, obviously Sean started speaking more about how it affected him and dad was like yeah you can start talking <laughs> so, <laughs> that's, that's just grew and grew and grew so yeah he's done really well but that's it even that you know having it from a friend's perspective when he shares um how it affected him and his family is really people don't even think about that really no i so, think yeah. you're right yeah. i don't want to talk him with your dad and i say like it's I don't like to say I can relate because I definitely can't. But like all of our, all of our little, so I'm I'm hard of hearing, and um, and I we don't we don't really 100% know where it's come from. It's actually nearly impossible for us to work it out. But it could be genetic. My mum's like fully deaf. Uh, could be genetic, or it could just be genetically that we're both stupid and didn't look after our hearing, um, yeah. which I think it might be that. <laughs> um, <laughs> But when I think back to it, and I think like those you're talking about those five seconds or, you know, this couple of seconds to just stop and think about what you're doing. And I remember we used to work in, I used to work in theatre and to, to check if the PA, so a huge, huge PA to to fill a stadium or a room or something, to check if it was working, you'd put your ear right to it and see if it was clicking. Oh and yeah. And I never thought back then. And to be fair, the gentleman that owns a business now who's extremely successful and is a very good friend of mine, um, he always used to say to me, put your hearing protection in. And he was only, we were only teenagers back then. So he had that, that sense, that five seconds, and I didn't. And when I think back to it now, when I'm talking about health and safety, training people or talking or whatever, and I think back to how would I have made me listen back then? And it it's difficult it's really difficult because you feel like an idiot being the one that's being safe it's yeah. a really hard message to get across and i think the 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 gold kind of the gold thread of it, of it all is that your story especially i find is taking people to step back and you think it's not just my hearing it's actually my wife having to be my translator when we go down the pub or something like that or my wife having to ask people to put subtitles on because i'm in too bar embarrassed to ask and stuff like that do you know what i mean yeah i just think it is about that it's just to 
being brave like just just do it just be selfish just i mean my other half he's a builder and he i mean sole trader he's got a couple of young lads working for him but and he obviously wants the work but if he goes on site and says i, I need scaffold i mean he lost a job because they wouldn't get the full scaffold on the building they had someone that was cheaper he's just like mm-hmm. fine i'll do it then and I'm proud of that, but not a lot of people would. They think, oh, I, I want the job, I'll just do it then. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it is, but then if you did it and fell off, then you wouldn't have a lot of money for the rest of your life anyway, so. No. Uh, I mean, so it, it's just weighing it up. It's weighing up the, is it worth it? It's so true. It's so true, and that, that is the true power of it, but that takes some real willpower, I think, and fair play to your to your fella. That That is, that's impressive. I know a lot of builders that, would just fill the gap when he says no I'm going they're standing there waiting to go to be fair (laughs) sorry say again he probably wouldn't dare knowing what we do and and he has seen um dad speak quite a lot of times so yeah I don't think he would uh risk it uh this um it is it is a great story and 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 honestly you know carry on doing it and I will continue sharing your message all over the place and I I'm definitely really interested to get all your other speakers on um just a, it's a fantastic fantastic message I mean if you were to if you well you probably said it already is that kind of proud to be safe and be brave and stuff but I mean if you were to kind of um give the listeners that kind of rousing piece of speech that you might do to get them to listen that one that one liner maybe to think you know you've got you've got to start listening to it what, what do you reckon it would be that one liner you think is the most powerful from your this is a hard question i get that but what do you mean from my talk or just in general yeah like from your talk maybe or in general just that that one thing that you think you know this is the one line that or the one paragraph or whatever of the story where you think this is a bit that i I think really gets people to listen. What or the one most important thing? It's a very open question. The most important thing. There's nothing more important than going home to your loved ones. Mm-hmm. There is nothing more important than that. And that's normally a bit I normally cry out as soon as I mention Elle's name because it's just not where it's it's us that have to deal with it. And it's I always say you might be re- willing to risk it all for yourself, but we're the ones that have to like pick it up, and we're like the ones that are still affected by it. Mm. Um, and it's just yeah, it's just that them having them five seconds just to, to, just to go over something, just to double check with someone, or just to say I'm not I'm not happy. And then it, it's us that aren't dealing with heartbreak for twenty seven years. And I'm going. Then. Yeah. Did you find that 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 was more solidified then to when when you had your little girl, that that really started to hit home then, and you were thinking, oh. yeah. The message was already there because obviously you're yeah. impacted. But did you get to look at it a different way, maybe? Yeah, I think for me as well. Me, obviously, little ones they change all the time and go through different milestones. So for me, I was getting all excited, and and you still do with when as they're growing. And but then I think, oh my god, this is what Dad would have been like with us. Like Elle's now at the age that Dad had his accident. Mm. So I think, oh my god, that. Me, if, if I'm in my mum's position, and that was my other half, and he's and it happened to him, I just I can't imagine like the devastation that would have. Yeah, it's yeah, it, I do relate to it a lot more as a parent. Um, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it is it is quite tough sometimes, and it's just 
and I, I think I think about it more now. So like we went, um, I say it on the Get a Grip video actually. We went to the beach with um, her other grandparents. So we went onto the beach, but Dad obviously couldn't get on with his wheelchair, so he had to sort of sit on the promenade as we went on the beach. And it's moments like that. I know he's not going to say he's bothered, but I'm like inside, like, oh my god. <laughs> and it's it's just little moments like that that you yeah. think it's just it's still there. Doesn't you think you can get around it? But it it hits home sometimes when you don't expect it to. I've, now you said that, I remember, I remember watching that and thinking, do you know what? I'd have never thought that. I think oh. I think we take it for granted our legs, don't we? And and the fact that we we're not on wheels and and that we we can walk on the sand and that's so horrible to say and it sounds horrible hearing it out loud. But it <laughs> yeah. is that uh, I I would expect I don't know I don't know how obviously I don't know what happened but I would expect with me I would literally get to the beach and go shit I didn't even think yeah. about this. I know. Oh, I know. Wow. That is yeah, and that's just so powerful, isn't it? And it's that, it's that piece of get, trying to get people in other people's shoes, isn't it? And in, in you know, no pun intended, or anything. Trying to get people to to think about it from that point of view. And I always talk about it when I'm talking about people losing their hearing and stuff like that. And I think you know, it, it's not at work that matters. It's when I'm at home. It's when I'm out. Uh, you know, I remember years ago, just before I got my hearing aid, actually, we went to a casino all night, couldn't hear a thing nothing couldn't understand a word anyone's saying so it's just a whole night of awkwardness of me somebody could be telling me about how their nan's just passed away and i could go yeah <laughs> i get it <laughs> do you know what i mean and yeah. it sounds funny but yeah. it creates these awkward scenarios and and i know and, and now being with with my wife so long that she knows the environments so i can't hear and it has this massive impact and think like my mum as well she's profoundly deaf She's now getting a hearing dog, and 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 that'll help her. But you know, it's an obligation on my brother as well. So he yeah. he can't. He lives at home with mum, and he when he goes away, mum can't sleep because oh. he's her he's her alarm. He's her everything. Like so, the second she takes it out, she can't sleep because she can't hear. And she can't sleep with her with her implant in. Um, and it's those it's those things that's so powerful about your story and similar stories. It's that massive impact on the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah, definitely the home thing as well. Just being, I think people, even people that stay all day at work, get home and then just <laughs> do whatever. Yeah. It's just we all do stupid things. Like, is that hot? And then you go to grab it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Come on, come on. Just yeah. Get your oven mitt. <laughs> I mean, it's just them little moments, but um, and that's all it takes, though. Yeah, and it, I think I think there's a power in that kind of mindfulness piece is coming out now, just being a bit more mindful about what happens next. Um, yeah, which is which is interesting, and how does this impact you? A couple of last things. On, it's interesting to see, like your dad was talking about, how he gone through a bit of a transition from being more focused on the physical side of safety and 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 saying to the person that's doing the work, like you were saying, like just stop and think and, and be brave enough to say I'm not going to accept that. To I think from his work with Tim Marsh and 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 now starting to see, well, actually, if if the if the business starts to create an environment in which it's comfortable for us to say I'm not, I don't feel safe, etc. And he said that was a big transition for him. Is that is that kind of stemmed across the whole business, or is that like a, a slow transition and more people starting to pick up on that? Or uh, yeah, um, yeah. So he's more into 
he's new taught now, so he still tells his safety story, sorry, <clears throat> and his accident, but it's more about he's actually understood that his health and well-being had a direct effect on his accident. So his, he, he wasn't happy at home, he had a problem with, with my mum in their relationship, and then he, he hated his job, struggling for money, and then he... The day he went into work, he was hungover. He hadn't been eating well, so all his health and well-being needing up wasn't right. So mm. on the day, he didn't make the best decision. Now, if he was happy and healthy, it would probably not saying that it wouldn't have happened, but he probably have had a better judgment on the day, um, mm. not needing the money and being in that situation. But definitely is linking in with our other speakers. I mean, Tom Caulfield, he's quite new with us. Um, his accident, it, it, he's um, blind in one eye. So he, um, an apprentice on the site, he dropped, dropped some cement and it splashed in his eye. That was it. And it, he, at, at first he was blind in both eyes, but he's gained sight back in one. Um, but something so simple, and he obviously, his talk actually touches a lot onto mental health. Um, but he's sort of got it, got what Dad was trying to get across. And he is um, sort of talking about his health and well-being a lot more and how being positive more about it is more effective yeah and yeah it definitely is the way to go i agree i agree i think there's a i've spoken about it time and time again of kind of like i call it changing the narrative of how we talk about safety and going from you yeah. know stop being so positive uh, sorry stop being so negative and start trying to be <laughs> a bit more positive um stop being positive that's not right <laughs> but yeah and you see it you see, I don't know about you, but I see it all the time on LinkedIn is these kind of horror stories, you know, and similar to the ones that you, you know, your, your dad and, and Matt and Sean and all the people, you, they are just really horrific stories. And you're just like, wow, that that's, this shit can actually happen. And, and there is a value in that. There really is. But what I don't like to see is you see these like health and safety gone mad, like no, these stupid videos, people doing stupid stuff like, I don't know. I saw one the other day of a gentleman who obviously got stuck in a in an MEWP in like a, a cherry picker and there was people holding the ladder to let him climb out on the ladder and obviously it all goes wrong and and it's yeah. fine to share those uh, but I think the narrative needs to be why are people doing this? Yes. What, why are we doing Why have we yeah. created an environment? Why which... is that? Uh, yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. What is exactly. going on? not yeah not what we normally see which is you should not do this don't ever do this tell your workers not to do this it's like no start asking yourself why your workers are doing this yeah, it, is the, it is the being more involved in the actual people so it is just that are you all right or mm, yeah and just knowing a bit like my dad says if someone always plays football on a weekend and on a monday you go how did you win i didn't go not just go oh okay just ask them like, oh, why, why, what's up? What's because if yeah, they no. come, they're not going to do their job properly if something's happened at home. And it's just being, like you say, being a bit mindful of those around you for your safety and everybody else's. Still, yeah. yeah, definitely. I love that. You know, and that's it. That's something I used to say when I do managing safety training actually a while ago, and to say, you know, how many times do you ask your staff how you are. And yes. they say, oh, all the time, all the time. Yeah, but how many times do you ask your staff how they are and actually care about the answer? Yeah, not going, you all right? I'm not waiting for the reply. Yeah. Or going, hi, Abby, how are you? And then going, oh, by the way, have you done that report? And then stuff like that. Yeah. 
Do you know what I mean? That, yeah. That's just horrible. I think we all do that as well. You know, if someone said to me, Abby, you're all right, and I'd go, yeah, I'm fine, you. And then they'll go, no, Abby, you're all right. I'd probably go, do you know what? <laughs> <laughs> I've had a bad work. And you would, when someone asks you twice, it does make you yeah. say something different, doesn't it? That's it, floodgates are open. No, I'm not okay. <laughs> <laughs> How do you? <laughs> you're right uh, and i think it is a great point and i think we listen to people like um simon sinek who's he's massive now in the leadership game and and he talks about it. the businesses are like second parents now and yeah. and and you're you have an obligation as a business yeah, they have big responsibility, yeah. exactly and and a lot, a lot of the times i'm talking to senior managers and they talk about this um or i talk about this and they say well i've got i've got my own shit to deal with i've got a business to run blah 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 mm-hmm. yeah you have but imagine how hard you would work for somebody if you knew they you cared for them. You know, yeah. I would have somebody's back if I know that they've got my back. You know, it's that classic lads saying, but but that's how we used to kind of do it when we were at school. And I think it still applies. So much better workers, yeah, and engagement and everything like that if they feel valued. That's what it all comes down to, definitely. Mm. I've got one last interesting question. Do you class yourself as a health and safety professional? Oh, no. <laughs> Why not? I uh, know I wouldn't. My dad does. I mean, my dad could talk about safety all night long. Um, it, yeah. No, I feel like I have a. I understand how people should be, just because I, I felt the brunt of it. Um, I know I wouldn't say I was a professional. <laughs> You class yourself. Go on. Say again. I'd say I had quite a bit of knowledge. Just what I've learned from being on site and things with Dad and listening to so many different speakers and things like that. But I don't know. Would you class yourself as a professional? Yes. Yeah. yeah. An, an unprofessional professional, I call myself. <laughs> unprofessional. The professional bit I really struggle with, being professional. <laughs> what, would you class yourself as a public speaker then? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a better fit. I was interested yeah. to see. I think I think there is, you know, I was talking to someone the other day being like, What is a health and safety professional? Because I I would say people like yourself, people yeah, like I don't really know what, what you'd cast yourself as. <sighs> I don't know who falls under that. Yeah. And and I and that was a discussion I was having with a colleague and they were saying, Well, a health and safety professional has got a knee brush and they've got this yeah. and that. and I was like no I think it's somebody I'm a much more like softer I don't know my, my wife calls me the way I look at health and safety was spiritual even though I'm not spiritual in any way shape or form but I don't I don't think of it like qualifications and memberships I think of it like the simple messages like yours like your dad's like Sean's and all, all of your team that make a difference to help people be safe that's all you need to do that's, yeah. that's about being a safety professional in my in my, what, what makes a leadership expert? They're just people that have worked in business for years and they're thinking, I think I've got a better way to do this. It's no different for us, I think. But I would class you as a safety professional, so congratulations. Yeah, <laughs> I'll add it to my uh, bio. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'll, I'll let you go on your day. Um, why don't you just quickly give us a, a bit of a plug on, on Proud to be Saved. <laughs> Uh, if listeners think, oh, do you know what? I really like Abby's story, I really like Jason's story. I want to have that conversation with you about who's best for their business and stuff like that. How do they go about that? Um, yeah, so 
So it's simple, really. It's just about making an individual commitment with you, within your company to safety um, and get there at work and at home. That part of second conversation. But we can help you achieve that through the speaker sessions. We've got DVD workshops, site visits. We've got all different, all different spectrum of things that we can do. Um, so it's just, yeah, get in touch via cool. the website or phone call or email and even if it's just a five minute conversation of sort of what's happening on site and might not need a live speaker but we'll see what we can do lovely i'll put all the descriptions and everything in there all the descriptions all the links in the description there we go thank you for coming on the podcast are we we did it i'm so happy Okay, guys, I hope you found that podcast that... Okay, guys, I hope you found that useful. It was an amazing conversation with Abby. Like you probably picked up on there, we have tried so many times to get this podcast going. Um, it just... Our diaries just kept clashing, etc. And it just didn't work. And finally, it worked. So it's amazing to be able to let you guys listen to that conversation. Um... If you like what Abby's talking about or you're thinking about getting any kind of motivational speakers from Proud to be Safe, make sure you check the links in the description. Um, try and think of three people that you know, three business owners, safety professionals, doesn't matter, just three people that will benefit from listening to this podcast and share it with them. To make change, we need to share it as much as possible and to change and to improve and to break the plateau like we've been talking about for so long, we need to share this podcast and we need more people to have these conversations. If you listen on iTunes, don't forget to give us a rate and review. If you give us a review, don't forget to screenshot it and tweet us, Rebranded Safety. And on Facebook, Rebranding Safety. Or on LinkedIn, James McPherson. That's me. So make sure you come and check us out on social. All the links are in the description as well. If you're on YouTube, hit subscribe and the bell so you never miss a episode. Um, what else have we got? If you're on any of the other platforms, hit follow, like, favourite, subscribe, whatever it is. You know, just... just Press a button, people. I'll catch you in the next podcast. Safe.